Good morning and welcome to the Being Found Show, your guide to being found by more buying customers. I'm your host, Chauncey Hallworth, and this is my co-host, Jake Hinton. Hey, Chauncey, how are you? Why are you smirking at me? Because it's a great day. Why? I, I don't know. It's a great day? Yeah. Oh. Right. It's Saturday? It's it raining. It's Saturday. I, I do love the rain. Yeah. I do, too. I slept really well last night. Yeah, I do, too. And uh, part of my reason for... So half of my reason for gloominess is that, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm prone to it. I'm a horror movie fan. I kind of, uh, I'm a movie fan in general. The idea of raining and on my couch with my dog shoved under the blanket watching a movie, this is like <laughs> heaven to me. But also, I'm a, I'm a work guy, yeah. and my office at my house has a southern exposure, um, meaning that the sun basically beams into my office all day long. So I have to close the curtains. So it's like, um, when it's raining is the days that I get to open it up and see the world outside. <laughs> so I have like all this freedom that comes with it, I, you know. Now I don't mean to to air anything uh, bad here, but didn't you tell me you had a vitamin D deficiency? I have the lowest vitamin D I have ever heard of. Okay, so I'm just saying maybe you should open those curtains every once in a while when the sun's out. Right. My my wife my wife has autoimmune disease and gastritis, meaning she can't absorb vitamins, and she has like a dangerously low level of vitamin D. Uh, when it was tested before, it was like 12, and you're supposed to have like 50 to 100. And then I go and get checked, and I have seven. <laughs> you know, so I, so like, you guys are like having the limbo, how low can you go competition right, right. in your well, house with vitamin D. Right. Mine is that I'm, a, I'm like, a, I'm like a, a cave dweller. I'm like a troglodyte or something, you know, because I work in, uh, in in the way that I work. My wife works, too. But she's actually all about the sun going out. Yeah. She works outside. She drives around. And so hers is, is, is medically caused. Mine is self-inflicted, <laughs> I think. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So you're listening to the Being Found show. As I said, your guide to being found by more buying customers. Um this is the show where we really help small and medium-sized business to better navigate the web. Uh, the web is where all of your customers are, and anybody who argues with that, uh, you need to check it again. It is literally where all of your customers are. You know, unless you run a retirement community, um, it's where all your customers are. Uh, and even then, it's where a lot of them are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, all right, so so first up here, we're going to talk about how to check and see if your site is doing well. You know, a lot of people, uh, and this is going to be a little more more technical. Um, there's there's a lot of ways to check. Like um, in the past, we've talked about uh, word of mouth. Hey, mm-hmm. how's my site doing? Mm-hmm. Checking when people call, saying, Hey, how'd you hear about us? Um, and then there's of course uh, running rankings where you put in a bunch of words, and uh, it runs SEO rankings for you. But that really only covers SEO. There's a lot of ways that you can generate traffic to your site and that your site can convert. There's social media. There's email campaigns. There's all sorts of ways that people get to your site. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll be a little shocked at how they got there. You know, I I think the big one that has shocked Andrea here lately is uh, Pinterest. How many people show up to your site from Pinterest, you know? So um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about using Google Analytics and Google Webmaster Tools to really find 
how well your site is actually doing. So, uh, you know, first up, you're going to need Google Analytics installed on your site, and you're going to need to be verified with Google Webmaster Tools. It's something that we've covered many times. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really quite simple. It's just a matter of putting a, a script in the header of your website, or if you're using a content management system such as WordPress or Joomla or something, there's always a plug-in that can help you do that. All right, so uh, maybe we should just pretend that all that has happened. Okay. And if you don't know how to do that, you can refer to other ones of our shows. You can give us a call. You can go to beingfound.com. There's lots of ways. Yeah. Um, so the first thing is to check your traffic sources using Google, Google Analytics. Uh, the how-tos are really not very radio-friendly, so <laughs> I'm going to run through that. If you're logged into Google Analytics, you go to Acquisition, All Traffic Source, Medium, uh, there you see a time frame at the top right, and you can adjust that to the time frame so that you can see how far that you're dealing with. You know, um, Yeah, and I, I kind of want to stress one thing. The time frame is really, really important. Oh, absolutely. I had a client email me recently, like in the last two weeks, and they sent me uh, you know, a little bit frantic. Hey, my site traffic is down 90%. And when I looked at it, uh, their time frame was one week. Oh, right. And when I, you know, expand that uh, out several weeks, there's just a natural cycle that occurs where people never shop for their services on Saturdays and Sundays. Right. So, yeah, very important. Um, I would look at at least one month, if not 90 days, as a minimum to know if your site is doing better or worse than you would expect. Right. And there's a little checkbox you can click that, Actually, uh, <clears throat> it'll compare it to the year prior, the exact same period the year prior. And that's also very telling, um, especially if you have a business or a service that cycles uh, annually. As an example, a, a tree service company, mm -hmm. clearly they get more work in the spring than the winter. If they're accidentally comparing their winter traffic to spring traffic, of course, those figures are going to be not great. Or comparing December to November. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're just all like, what? Why is November so terrible? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah, and, and that's a, a a great thing. But unfortunately, in order to compare to the year prior, you have to have had it in there for a year. Yeah, that's true. You know, so um, try to bear those things in mind. Um, one thing that we really do with larger businesses, you know, um, is going to Google Trends, you can actually type in your services and mm -hmm. your search terms, mm -hmm. and you can see um, over the course of a year or years if there are peaks and valleys where where those um, search trends happen. You know, Google Trends sort of sounds like it's like something cool and hip. Uh, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> that is not what it's talking about. It's just talking about search trends in general. You know, you can talk about hats for cats. <laughs> or you can talk about, you know, spark plugs for a 1956 Buick. You know, it's yeah. like it has nothing to do with what's trendy, you know. Although you'll probably find trendy items. Cardi B up in there, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, once you have all this set up, <clears throat> where were we? Acquisitions, all traffic, source mm -hmm. medium. Uh, you select the time frame up at the top, let's say a month, just to sort of give you a starting point. And you can see where your traffic sources have been over the course of the last month. Um, really, this is a great way to see where you should be putting your efforts. You know, um, not only from the low, but to the high. 
Um, so low traffic from places that you know your audience is. So if you have really low traffic from search engines and you offer a service, you know you need to put in more effort in there. Mm -hmm. If you have really low traffic from Google AdWords and you're spending a fortune, you know that you need to change your strategy yeah. there. If you have high traffic from, let's say, Pinterest, like we were saying, um, you know that maybe you need to work a little harder to convert that traffic. Mm -hmm. You know, so so this is just a really great way to see where your traffic is coming from, where your people are coming from, so that you can tweak your marketing campaign and make it even more effective. You know, a lot of people are just hucking their stuff up there, and uh, they just don't know. And 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 frankly. Google does a good job at reading that, but people don't necessarily, and other traffic sources don't. Yeah. yeah. All right, you're listening to The Being Found Show. We're coming up on break here. Come on back. We're talking about finding out if your site's doing any good or not. All right, welcome back to the Being Found Show, your guide to being found by more buying customers. We're talking about how to check and see if your site is doing well. Uh, last uh, segment, we talked about uh, checking your traffic sources, seeing where your traffic was coming from, and, uh, and how that can be really helpful because you know where you should put your efforts. You know if you're spending too much money in one place, if you're not spending enough money in another, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, right now, we're going to cover... Finding your your most visited pages with Google Analytics. So which pages on your site are most visited and most frequented and do people spend the most amount of time on? So uh, just to, like we said earlier, we're going to run over the click, click, clicks here because it's not very radio friendly. Go to behavior, site content, and click all pages. Select a reasonable time frame for what you're trying to figure out. So uh, for the sake here, let's say a month again for over the past month, we're going to see. Can I add one thing to that, Chauncey? Yeah, of when, course. When Chauncey goes over the click, 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 thing, behavior, behavior, site content, all pages, uh, you need to be starting on that left-hand menu. Right. Just in case you didn't get that part, uh, that left-hand menu contains all of these options. Right. Yeah. So it, it's behavior. There's a behavior tab on the left. Then you click site content, and then underneath that is all pages. Up in the top right, you select your time frame. And then there's a comparison button, at which point you click average time on site as your separate metric. And you'll see green and red bars indicating the more or less than average time on site. And these can show you what to share and what to make your content more like. You know, um, I'm, I'm not sure if that... I, I think the share is obvious. These these show you what to share. This is what people are interested in. You're mm -hmm. trying to up your traffic, trying to up your time on site, trying to up your conversions. If you share those ones on your social media, in your email newsletter, and whatever it is you're using, um, you can pretty feel pretty sure that, that your visitors are interested in that. So that's a good one to go with, an obvious one. But also, a lot of your visitors have already seen it. That's why you got the high metric there. Yeah, yeah. So you can also use that metric to sort of see what I should make my other content more like. So if you look at some of the ones that aren't doing well and you have them up side by side with the ones that are doing well for time on site and for hanging out, you can probably see a drastic difference. 
if you don't see a drastic difference, one of two things is going on. You're either getting people, you know, um, it's a topic that they don't really need and that they're not really interested in, or you're getting the wrong traffic to those pages. You know, those pages are are showing up in search or being shared in situations where people are just that is not what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's a that's a big part of of search specifically, but also your website in general is all traffic is not equal. You know, um, the easiest way I think I've summed it up in the past is if you got a hundred people who each gave you a dollar to convert on your site. Or if you got ten people who each gave you twenty dollars, you want those ten people, yeah, right. You yep. know, so you get those people who are more interested in what you have. Uh, so that's a really important metric, definitely a good one. Um, sorry, I got lost in my notes. So uh, find your most visited pages, right? So. Basically, finding your most visited pages, what that is really helping you do is giving you a a, a milestone or a marker to make comparisons to. Um, if you're thinking more about search, finding your best SEO landing pages is, is a better bet, which is the same place, uh, behavior, site content, and then instead of all pages, you click landing pages. Now, the difference between all pages and landing pages, Jake, do you know the difference? Between all pages and landing pages? Yeah, do you know what a landing page is? Well, I do. I don't know... uh, In this context. In this context, no. No, I don't. In this context, it's the first page that people hit. Got it. Okay. So um, when we're looking at your your most popular all pages, that's they got to your site, they clicked around, maybe they they ended up there, and that's where they hung out. In the case of your, your best landing pages, it's where they came in from other traffic sources, and that's where they landed on your site. Got it. And, uh, you know, I sorry to put you on the ball there. Mm-hmm. I, I have to admit I had to research a little bit. I'm all like, well, what is the difference here? And then I'm all, oh, as soon as I uh, saw that, I'm all like, oh, God. That I'm makes done. sense. So, once again, set that you have a reasonable date range. Now, here you can really see where your conversion starts. You can see what source medium they're coming from. Source medium really means, are they coming from Google organic search? Are they coming from paid search? Are they coming from Facebook? Uh, Blah, blah, blah. All the different ways that people can get to your site, including directly typing it in, Mm -hmm. which can really help you for um, radio advertising, television advertising, um, newspapers, coupons. You know, these are the places where somebody might type it in directly in order to get And so finding out your best landing pages really sort of help you know exactly how well you're doing when they hit there. Are they getting there and saying, hey, I don't like this? And then the final step to finding out your best landing pages is is purely an SEO part, and that is what terms are people getting to your best landing pages with? And for this, we use Google Console. In Google Console, you click on the performance, and then under search type, you can add an extra page, and you pop in that URL. And if you scroll down, it's going to give you a list um, of the terms that people searched for that got them to your page. And you get to see a little bit about uh, how your clients view your products and services. What are they typing in? Right, 
Right, exactly. And so with those search terms, you now know what you can um, – a common word in marketing is uh, exploit, which sounds very negative in most contexts. But but basically when, when you say we're going to exploit this search term, so let's say – Let's say uh, we were talking about a tree service earlier. So, yeah. so let's say people are getting there with um, the search term, I need tree service. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going like, wow, we're getting a lot of traffic from this term, and we're not getting a lot of traffic from our brand name and, and these other things. We can take I need tree service, take that over to Google AdWords, I mean, there's lots of ways to do this, but this is a simple way that anybody could. Mm-hmm. And you can pop that into Google AdWords keyword tool, and it will give you a whole bunch of terms that really sort of match that. Yeah. And now you know, like, oh, well, we can really exploit this term. We can blow this term out so that we pick up anything that even looks like it. Yeah, absolutely. By expanding on our content. And you find strange things when you do this kind of research. I mean, maybe you've got a, a landing page on your site that's called stump grinding right but in doing this research you might find out all of your customers are actually typing in stump removal right and missing you right so then you can make those adjustments to your keywords on the page and capture more of those people you know they type in tree removal they're going to click that page that's called tree removal right exactly because i'm that guy you know um if i had a stump in my yard i live in an apartment but if i had a stump (laughs) in my yard and i needed to get that stump out Stump grinding is not something that would ever have crossed my mind unless I was in the industry on some right. Yeah, you know, I would say I need that stump gone. Yeah, you know, I would go Don't to care st- how you do it. Right, right. <laughs> I'd go to stumpgone.com. Yeah, but and frankly, I don't even know what stump grinding is. Um, does that mean that they grind it down and make it flat, or does that mean that they actually pull that sucker out? No, yeah, they actually have a, a huge machine that looks like. A, well, it looks like a robot that would attack you in a future movie. Sweet. Yeah. And it literally just grinds the stump below the ground level. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So at my, my uncle's house, they had a big old tree that, you know, had fallen apart or something like that. And, and it had a massive, massive stump. Yeah. And so the way they got rid of that thing is they had the people come out with a backhoe. They dug up the stump. Then they dug a super deep stump grave. They put the stump in it and they buried it. What? Yeah. They, I, you just said stump grave, which automatically <laughs> makes me think of just crazy stuff. Yeah, they they dug a big hole. Why wouldn't you just, like, burn it or just leave it out there? Because it seems like it would just rot and then leave a sinkhole, and then your five-year-old would fall in it ten years from now. That's what crossed my mind, but, you know, I mean. I guess I'm not the expert. Ten years from now, people might have, like, six or seven five-year-olds, so it might be effective. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but then in their yeah. the stump grinding radio show is coming later, and they can uh, tell you guys all about that. But but literally, you know, when you find the terms that people are getting you to you for, you can add in just a slight dose of imagination, and you can really expand on that stuff. Or you can really have a communications with your marketing company that you didn't know that you'd be able to have. You know, what this is really doing is, if you're a marketing company. If you're a small marketing company, um, a lot of people say, oh, we're ranking for the terms. We're done, man. We we succeeded. Let's just rake in that paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the way that it works. You've done. You've succeeded. Now expand and become better. Um, if If you're a business owner, knowing this information really makes your conversations 
with your marketing company more powerful. You are coming to the table with some information. Yeah. And frankly, if you're dealing with a small marketing company, you're probably coming to the table with some information they don't have. <laughs> All right. You're listening to the Being Found Show. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the power of influencers. All right, welcome back to the Being Found Show, your guide to being found by more buying customers. Up here in this segment, we're talking about influencers and how influencers can help you. Um, we're dealing with a blog from Scrunch, 24 Reasons Why Brands Should Be Working with Influencers, and I have to first throw in 24 is a large number. <laughs> you know, um, this is a trend of blogs because people like to um, absorb things in snippets. We live in a world of, of snippets, not uh, articles. When was the last mm -hmm. time you read a paragraph that was, you know, uh, more than three sentences? It's been a while. It's been a while. And so, uh, but I have to say, these guys are kind of cheating. Uh, a lot of these are sort of duplicates of one another that could have been explained under the same title. So as we run through these, we're going to make sure that we sort of trim the fat yeah so first off uh what is an influencer so as a business you have your clientele of your clientele there are certain people who are more involved in the tech space in the internet in talking and have larger groups of people listening to them those are influencers basically those people who have the ear of your buying audience now, this can take on uh, very different forms for, for different industries, for B2B, for B2C. Uh, sometimes they're businesses themselves, you know, especially in, in B2B, business to business. Uh, sometimes there's advocacy groups and stuff like that, that if you can get on the good sides with them, they can be sort of an influencer partner. Uh, this takes a lot of different forms, but hopefully you just understand the concept that of the people that you're talking to, and that you were trying to get to convert, there are certain people who have a larger percentage of the ear mm -hmm. of your buying audience. So why would you want to work with them? I, I think my explanation probably shows you some of it just right there, and that is they, they generate sales. Just by them being out there and talking to your buying audience, it, it adds some trust, and your buying audience is saying like, oh, there it is. It also expands your audience to their audience. People who didn't even know that they could use you. People who didn't even know about your services or about your products. Um, and then a big one is that they create content. Um, content is one of those things that everybody seems to think is no big deal. Content is a big deal. It's, it's one of the biggest deals. It's yeah. huge. Not only is it a big deal as it drives traffic, it's what the Internet is built on. No content means no Internet. But it's a big deal that it's not easy to make. Everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to do that. Jake, have you ever had somebody who you were managing the, the build of a website for or building a website for, and they said they were going to write all their own content? I have, yeah. How long did it take for that content to come in? Uh, well, it took several months, <laughs> there, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it takes several months if it comes in at all. 
And so, I, I mean, I guess I should add the the worst part was that it was completely filled with technical jargon oh, that right. that I didn't understand, and I know her searching customers were not going to understand as well. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the time, these businesses are writing their content focused at other businesses so that they can keep face or, or I don't really know what they're thinking. Um, you know, I think a lot of it is they're writing for themselves because right. that it's not that really their job to think like their customer. Well, scratch that. It is. It is their job to think like their customer, but it's a hard mindset to get into when you're writing. I mean, you and I, we have to do this for this radio show. We could talk technical jargon oh, the whole time. Right? Yeah, we yeah. can go on for hours about the use of CDNs with CMSs on your, you know, right, whatever, and right. and no one would get it. So, right. Yeah, it's like the alphabet, uh, the alphabet offices. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, creating content is not easy. It is not easy. So what these influencers do is basically that's what they do. They create content. Yeah. So you get on the good side with them, they create content. And what does that content do? That content spreads across the Internet with your name on it. So basically for half the effort, you have now gotten content, you've gotten your name spread, and possibly virally going out there to all sorts of folks. Uh, they build brand awareness. This is what we were talking about earlier. Um, they inform. So let's say I'm an influencer and I got uh, 5,000 people that are listening to me. Mm-hmm. And let's say 2,000 of them already know about my product. That means that 3,000 of them might get informed that I even exist. So that brand awareness is really a big deal. Even in a small town, even in a smaller industry, even at a local base service level. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just think about a restaurant. Imagine uh, the the power of that restaurant from getting 2,000 to 5,000 people knowing about them. Yeah, yeah. You know, how often are you driving down the road and you're just all like, oh, there's a new restaurant. I had no idea, you know. Yep. Yeah, and I've, I've heard, uh, and I don't know anything about the in- restaurant industry. I don't work for any restaurants. Mm-hmm. But having the right core group of people who frequent your restaurant or who um, – kind of uh, talk about your restaurant is is can be the difference between you being very successful and not. Yeah, totally. I mean, if you're on the street corner and some guy in a in a dirty gorilla suit that hasn't been washed for 3 months tells you that it's the best tacos in town, you're probably going to be all right. <laughs> Yeah. That's a hard pass for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh they're a trusted voice. They didn't get this audience without being something that this audience wanted to listen to and was interested in. So this audience automatically has more trust yeah. for you coming from them. The difference is the dirty gorilla suit guy versus your mom telling you how <laughs> great the tacos are. Yeah. You know. Uh they have authority and influence. I think that's obvious. I think that's mm-hmm. what we're already covering with the trust. They yeah. have um I don't I don't really know about authority. Um the word authority uh a lot of you might be taking this another way. When in in the internet and marketing, authority means that you just have a better ranking, that you have a higher stance than other people. Uh, they build relationships. They can help build relationships for you. You know, they yeah. start it, 
And a lot of their other people are influenced by them to become influencers on their own. Mm-hmm. And so you can follow these people. And when you see them on the up and coming, you can tack onto them and grow your influence over influencers. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're expert communicators. This is kind of what what you were talking about. It's hard to switch gears from talking about your business, working all day. Uh, SEO is is my main focus, and mm-hmm. it's a prime example. I sit there working all day doing SEO, and then I need to switch gears to explain to my wife why I'm grumpy that day, <laughs> yeah, you know, or something. And I can't tell her, oh, it's because you know my metrics on column four were bothering me, and <laughs> she's she's going to glaze over immediately. Yeah, um, they're engaged and they're creative. Um, of course, this is a big one. You don't have time. You're a business owner. You're a business worker. Unless you're paying people to be engaged for you and to be creative for you, to to reach out to those people, to constantly be in connection, to, to create little graphics that people might notice. That's what these influencers are doing. That's how they make their money. Yeah. Especially if you have some sort of affiliate system going on. You know, they're going to flock to you because they can make a little bit of money out of that transfer traffic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they tend to know their audience better than you know yours. You know, this is something that we talk to businesses about on a regular basis, and that is that, um, well, I don't know how to fix a car. Jake does, but I don't know how to fix a car. If If my car breaks down, I'm not going to fix it myself. And I always think it's weird that business guys are just all like, well, I'm going to build my own website. And you're all like, what? <laughs> you're all, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to teach myself. There's some legal Zoom commercial out right now where the guy's just all, oh, I was having legal problems and I like to take care of my things myself. So I went to college and became a lawyer. <laughs> He's all, just kidding. I, I got legal Zoom or something like that. <laughs> you know, and it, it was That's a really funny. good point that, yeah. you know, do what you're good at yep. and uh, let other people do what they're good at. Um, they're an excellent value for money. <laughs> That's dependent on how good your guy is and yeah. what he's charging you. Well, you get it's it, it's easy to set up something on a conversion level, where um, where they only get paid for the conversion, you know. So uh, so all of these things can really help you finding those people who are influencing your audience can really help you. So mm-hmm. influencers might be one of those terms that you look at the internet and you're just all whatever stupid internet terms, but it's really one that as a business owner, you should know. Yeah. yeah. All right. You're listening to the being found show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit of news. Welcome back to the Being Found show. We're going to talk a little bit about what's in the news right now. Uh, of course, uh, the Super Bowl is coming up, and uh, 
Drones are already being confiscated near the Super Bowl. This happened on the, uh, you know, at the. It's it's been happening for days, and you know this is not surprising that drones are being confiscated. It it really is a massive security issue. And we, what was it last month? We had all the, the airport shutdowns yeah, from drones. Yeah. You know, so um, I don't know. But at the same time, drone restrictions are being lifted in public spaces where uh, people are able to fly their drones around. Oh, so it's getting uh, it's getting weird. I, I like drones. I think we should. Uh we should make them as free as humanly possible. Yeah, drones are cool, and uh, but uh, what do you do about airspace? How does that work? You know, uh, do they start building drones with sort of beepers where they know other drones are in the area, or do they? You know, I I, I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a tough one. I I kind of well, I don't know. I would expect, you know, if you had uh, a place where there's a large group of people, like the Super Bowl, right? You might have some security countermeasure. Um, I know there's devices the government has that can block signals. Right. So maybe, you know, just letting people know, hey, if you fly your drone too close to this airspace, it'll probably fall out of the sky. Yeah, those signal blocking devices, uh, there are certain places like uh, the local casino that I have entertained that they're using it blocking my cell phone. Oh, really? (laughs) I don't think they are, but I I never have a signal when I'm in there, and I'm just all, I wonder if they're blocking it so I can't talk to people about getting (laughs) out, (laughs) you know. I don't really think they do, but uh, all right. A new net neutrality bill is headed to Congress, uh, Senator Markey. Uh, I'm not surprised by this. Uh, net neutrality is is de- definitely touchy um, from a free market standpoint. Um, not having net neutrality makes some sense, and from a user free speech standpoint, having net neutrality makes some sense. Uh, you know, it's a it's a tough one, and we'll see what works out on that one. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of opinions out there. Uh, Facebook removes 783 fake pages and accounts tied to Iran. Not shocking. No. Did, we talked about deep state, or was it uh, deep fake? Deep fake. Was that like a couple weeks ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So I'm, I'm assuming that's what the kind of... Uh, kind of issues they were having with some of these. So my my wife's on this new mission that um, anytime she um, sees a bunch of hateful rhetoric on a comment stream, um, you know, be it, be it, uh, you know, conservative side with, with uh, tying it to racism or liberal side, tying it to Antifa or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't actually read this stuff. I'm not trying to make any assumptions here. But she does look into all of them, and she says nine out of ten times she traces them back to being either a bot or some sort of just totally fake account. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from what I understand. So I've heard, uh, and and I don't know the figures. I'm sure these are going to start coming out more and more. But nearly what I've heard is up to half of accounts on Facebook are don't actually belong to human beings. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so... I wonder, what, that one. I wonder what that'll do for their shareholders, you know. Oh. Here we are thinking that a billion people use it when it's really only half a billion. Well, and not only that, consider the fact that, I mean, their shareholders have enough problems right now. Yeah. I mean, they're in hot water. Right. Over yeah. all the uh, security and data, and we are data sharing. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, NASA's Curiosity rover makes unexpected discovery on Mars Mountain. This 
is a very misleading title. <laughs> yeah, so before we get into what it's actually about, I need to let everyone know my heart skipped a beat when I read the title, because I said, yes, finally. We found that ghost alien from the X-Files. Right. <laughs> not so. Didn't no, happen. It's not there. Uh, you know, everybody's expecting to find micro- proof of microbial life on Mars. This article is not that. Um, what they found was gravitational anomalies. Uh, what that means is uh, that the mountain is not made of what we thought it was made of, and uh, or they're trying to figure out what it's made of. You know, Mars, uh, I don't think it's this mountain in the article, but but uh, Mars actually has the largest mountain in the solar system on uh-huh. Mars, Olympus Mons. Wow. Uh, if you look at it, it looks like it's got a huge pimple on it from the right <laughs> angle. It really does. It's like massive. Um, but, you know, I'm still excited about anything having to do with space and space travel, oh, yeah. and it really is technology at its best. Oh, this is so much fun. To, like learning learning something so new and so foreign is is awesome. Yeah, and absolutely. so yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So I actually read that what they were doing is they actually accidentally discovered this by repurposing the sensitive gyroscope things mm-hmm. on the actual rover, and, and just like a smartphone, it kind of knows what angle it's at and whether or not it's moving. Mm-hmm. And so by accidentally repurposing all these. Uh, they're like, oh, hey, look, the gravitational field is is different than we expected, right? And so, what a cool what a cool way to accidentally figure that out. Yeah, it's it's crazy that we live in a world where you can send this thing up there. So, like in the time of Apollo, you send it up. You have specific tools that can do specific things. Mm-hmm. And now we live in a world where we can send up um, a remote control car to another planet, and not only does it have specific tools that do specific things, but those tools can be rearranged yeah. to do new things. Yeah. You know, that's that's really kind of amazing. And then the last one is close to my heart. Uh, thanks to Titans and Young Justice, DC's streaming gamble is paying off. What this is basically saying, I'm a big fan of Young Justice. I watch a lot of kids' cartoons. I know it's weird. Whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm already married. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, what this is saying is DC did something in competition with everybody else, and they started their own streaming service. Detective Comics uh, started their own streaming service, so when you sign up for it, you get all their streaming videos, which is a lot from over the years, and you get access to all their comics and, and so on and so forth. But what this really means on a tech level is it it shows us that Something so small compared to things like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon can actually find success. So we really are deep in the heart of this battle of streaming services. So people with Netflix are probably noticing that that anything anything Marvel is is jumping ship. Anything Disney is jumping ship because Disney is putting out their own streaming service. Mm. And as we know, Disney has a lot of content. And a lot of power and money. Right. And they can do this sort of thing. And That's so cool. they're ready to make the battle. But DC wasn't. DC didn't have this kind of battle. But they do have a reasonable amount of content from yeah. the years. And so it shows that somebody small can do Do you happen this. to know the price, the monthly price that you might pay for that? Service? $70 a year. Well, that's not bad. No, no, because I want it. <laughs> Is that like 8 bucks a month or something? Something like that, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, because I, I really want it, you know, um... For for any nerds out there that are listening, Marvel makes the greatest movies. 
But uh, DC makes the best cartoons. So if you like cartoons, DC is where it's at. Are You're you, not wrong. Are you a cartoon man? You know, I, uh, no. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> <I'm not>. think so. <laughs> uh, you know, but I fondly remember watching, you know, I grew up watching uh, Batman and X-Men oh, yeah, cartoons yeah, yeah. Saturday mornings. Oh, yeah, Batman the Animated Series was yeah, the benchmark was of, of quality uh, animation that could be geared towards adults as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, that's it for the Being Found show. We hope you enjoyed checking us out, and we hope that you check us out next week. Of course, if you can't wait that long, you can always check us out at beingfound.com. And we are your guide to being found by more buying customers. See you next week. Mm-hmm.